Hey everyone, how's it going? Azar and the Language Nerd, as always. And in today's podcast, we have a guest yet again. So today we have Katrina. Um, Katrina is someone who follows my my blog, my Substack blog. So if you don't follow that, then please go do so. I'd really appreciate it. Um, if you just search, actually, I'll, I'll put a link in the I'll put a link in the um, in the description box. You guys can go find that. And so. Katrina, Katrina and I were emailing back and forth, and then one thing led to another, and here we are doing a podcast together. We don't know each other that we don't know each other that well, and so we'll get to know each other a little bit. And basically, we're just going to compare and contrast um, our views on language learning and nerd out a bit on language for the next half hour or so. So, Katrina, welcome. Thank you so much. This is kind of exciting. <laughs> for sure. So maybe a good place to start is um, what languages uh, what languages do you speak and or are you learning right now? Yeah, my native language, I guess my native languages are uh, Norwegian and English. So I was born in Norway. <clears throat> and then when I was two, we moved to the US. And so I was young enough that that um, English became a native level language for me. And then we moved back to Norway when I was 11. Um, and at that point, Norwegian was definitely not a strong language. It was a home language. I, I understood when my mom told me I had to go to bed and brush my teeth and eat my beans or whatever. Um, so at 11, I relearned or sort of um, gained my footing again in Norwegian. I see. Um, so those are my two main languages. And then when I was 19, after I graduated from high school, I moved to France. Uh, and lived there for seven years. So French became a sort of use. I was perfectly comfortable living my life in French, but I never actually studied it. I don't. Um, I didn't do anything explicit to learn it. Mm. And now I'm learning Thai. Wow, very cool. What part of France were you in? I was mostly in Paris. Mostly in Paris. Okay, in Paris or yeah. near Paris. Uh, banlieue, yeah, a little bit of both. I moved around a lot. Um, I was in very, I lived in seven years. I think I must have moved, I don't know, 14, 15 times. Wow. Uh, for little studios, to okay. shared apartments to, yeah. So, um, so I was in various parts of actual, like actually in Paris uh, a few times. And then I was in banlieue, like outside of Paris a few times. And then for a year, um, it was actually down south in in and near Nice. Got it. Do you have any interesting stories from places you lived in since you lived in so many? I mean, it was <laughs> it was so this is late 90s, early 2000s. And I don't know that there are any interesting stories about the places. I feel like mostly I came in not knowing anything and just had no idea what I was doing and therefore made <laughs> um, poor decisions or just kind of random decisions a lot. Um, a lot of the places, like the first little apartment I had, it was, I don't know, seventh floor, no elevator, typical tiny little top floor apartment. Um, there was supposedly a kitchen, but like the first week, the, the, the fuse in the in the stove um blew and i couldn't figure out how to get it working and they it took like two months before the <laughs> owner actually 
fix it. So it was like, it was really weird. There was no toilet. There was a shared toilet outside. It was a very typical Parisian apartment. Um, mm. I lived in a lot of places like that, yeah. Yeah, I remember because uh, I spent about over multiple trips, I'm trying to remember, something like six or so months in France over, primarily I would say over two or three, two trips, maybe three. I did like three months in high school. Yeah. And then I did uh, a, a chunk during university, I did a university semester. And then I went once as like for like a anyway it's not important but when yeah. i was in my university semester we were staying in like a student housing like a student residence right and that was my first time staying not in a house in france um yeah. family the first time i'd been um, or when i went as a child so i went as a child as well as a tourist we stayed in hotels but maybe hotels not a student residence and i right. couldn't believe yeah. i just couldn't believe how small it was like it was so it was oh yeah tiny i think i could if I were to, if I, if I put my hands out sideways, I could touch both walls. Um, I think the yeah. bathroom, I couldn't even do that. Um, and they somehow put a bed and a desk to, to work at in such a tiny place. I had like a desk yeah. that could work. I had the bed and the bathroom. There's like a little entryway where I can like little entryway. I think there was a, there might've been at least some hooks to hang up jackets or whatever. It was yeah. tiny, but yeah, I can, yeah. couldn't believe it. I could not, I could not believe it. But okay, so then you speak, so you speak French, you speak Norwegian, you speak English, and you're learning Thai. Yep. Thai, yeah. And I did actually spend a few years trying to learn Korean with varying degrees of success. So we could probably talk about that as well. <laughs> we can. <laughs> We can probably bond a little over that. I, I'm, I'm guessing. So, how was your experience learning Korean? Because I also have a funny learning Korean story. What was it like learning Korean? Oh my gosh! So the problem with learning Korean was that it was the first time ever in my life that I was going to learn a language on purpose, and I had no <clears throat> idea what I was doing or like what worked for me or what I liked. So I went into it thinking, okay, uh, flashcards, right? <laughs> So I found a flashcard deck and spent a few months doing that. Like, I think I read, what's his name? Gabriel Weiner's book, Fluent Forever. And he's super into flashcards. And so I made yeah. a, a flashcard deck. And then after like three months worth of that, I was like, okay, so now I know words. I can tell you what sewing machine is in Korean. What, what do I do next? And I couldn't, like, I had no idea. I had no clue. So I started looking at like what the internet said. And that was the most overwhelming thing ever. I was like... I don't know. I tried talk to me in Korean, but they all they do is speak English and then tell you one tiny drip of how something works. But then it's like so much English that I don't even feel like I, I don't know, I, I couldn't get anywhere with that. And then I tried. Um, what else did I try? I tried doing the the oh italki lessons. I oh, yeah. signed up for italki lessons eventually. And that was that was really good. Like, I started getting a little bit of a sense of a language, but it was a lot of kind of random hard work. Like it yeah. didn't feel like it was coalescing into anything. And so <clears throat> I think I spent uh, several months trying to do italki lessons without really feeling like I was getting anywhere. And then I stumbled across, um, there was a video by 
a guy named something brown he's a teacher in orange county california and he had learned arabic in a year using like various tprs like um approaches just one-on-one -on -one with with teeters, tutors and, and language exchange partners and so i thought that was really interesting his main thing was like bringing pictures to a tutor and having them describe the pictures so I tried that with Korean. I found a tutor on Italki who was willing to do it. She didn't know much English, which was kind of perfect. And so she, um, I spent a year like doing one lesson a week, maybe with her uh -huh. in Korean, just with picture descriptions. And that felt like it was actually working. Like uh -huh. it, it was like a breath of, I don't know, uh, fresh air. I, I felt really relieved because it felt like the, the language started actually making sense in my head. Um, <clears throat> and then she got a real job and had to leave like quit her tutoring and i couldn't find another tutor that i actually liked to do the like uh picture descriptions with so i didn't quite know what to do next and then i stumbled across matt versus japan oh, and yeah. his whole sort of mass immersion thing mm -hmm. which are, you know lots of good ideas and so i did i i sort of just started watching dramas hours and hours a day and this was right around when the pandemic started. So I spent most of like the first lockdowns just watching Korean. And I think for like over a year, year, year and a half, maybe I just watched a bunch of dramas in Korean. And it was kind of fine. Like I got, I understood more and more over time, but I never really got to the point where I felt like I could use it. Like I could watch a drama and understand what was going on, but I, I don't know if I could, I don't know, maybe if you oh, dropped well, me in Korea could. and yeah. I had to Because often people that Maybe often could. people that have never actually not never but often people that let's say haven't really um, been in an environment where they had to communicate like for example being dropped in Korea yeah I've read quite a few and often um, when you talk to them in whatever language it is they're quite surprised that they actually can communicate quite well so you probably you might yeah. be okay after, after all that study i thought i thought you had i thought maybe you studied it for very like like a few weeks or something or a month and then for oh gosh no it was like three years oh wow yeah you probably have a, at <laughs> least somewhat of a base in language i would think after all that yeah. i would think um yeah like my the korean one thing last that i did weeks, in korean that oh sorry i just said no, my korean last in like two or three weeks that was it oh so what was it <laughs> tell me more <laughs> what happened um basically i decided so i was working on a self-study uh curriculum which i have now and it it's good but anyways it's another story for another day i was working on like a self-study curriculum i wanted to create a program that um if someone wanted to learn a language it a curriculum that would work for any language like a language learning program that would work for any any language as long as it's a living language essentially um mm -hmm. and not and probably not an endangered language, although it could probably work well for an endangered language to an extent too. So I was working on this project and um, I wanted to test out a few things that I'd put in this program. And so I was like, well, let me pick some languages I don't speak and let me myself use this program that I've been making to see what it feels like, right? Cause I'm, um, so I right. tried to learn some Japanese and Korean. And um, the, thing about, the thing about me as a language learner is I, uh, obsess over pronunciation i have to sound perfect uh, like or near yeah. like so basically if i if you were to close your eyes you don't look at me i want you to think i'm a native speaker yeah so when i speak in french yeah. or spanish cool. and such, like people 
generally won't know. I'm like near perfect or perfect in pronunciation, basically. Right. I can settle right. for near perfect, but you know, it has a really, really good. And in pronunciation for Korean, I was struggling with some of the sounds and I was doing, and I was, I just got so frustrated with it that I just decided I was yeah. going to swap and maybe revisit it later. That's how frustrated I got yeah. with it, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. Some of those sounds are really subtle in mm -hmm. Korean. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That makes sense. Okay, cool. So, yeah. So, so I, I, I think you might be, I kind of, yeah, you might be right that if you dropped me into Korea, South Korea somewhere, and I actually had to use it, I might, I might be able to get by. Yeah. My, my, my hunch would be yes. That'd be yeah. my hunch. You said something interesting, actually. So um, have, oh. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. You first. Have, so, so do you have a lot of uh, experience working with people? Like, do you see a lot of heritage speakers who, who understand a lot and can't speak or don't speak? Um, yeah, quite a bit, actually. I see that quite a bit because with heritage, and I think I have a good theory as to why it happens. I used to always wonder, how is it that someone could understand, let's say they grew up with the language, right? like a heritage language. Yeah. And they understand it to a very high level. Let's because there are people, some people understand right. it somewhat. Like my I have a cousin, for example, who understands Gujarati kind of well, but it's not like she understands really well, right? But some people right. they understand very, very well. Like you can just throw something on TV and they're gonna understand 90% of it. And you're like, whoa, but they can't speak right. a word. Like they literally couldn't put a sentence together. And I used to always wonder, how the heck does that happen? How could they understand so well? And I think I have a theory because I have a young cousin now. He's now he's four. But when he was younger, when he was like two, uh, two, three, let's say. Well, what happened is, is most he he mostly lives his life in English. But there are right. some family members that speak to him in Gujarati and that he gets in, to be in this, this Gujarati environment. So what would happen is, is often people would talk to him in Gujarati. But because he lived more of his life in English and that might come first, what would happen is he would reply in English. like Or maybe he would mm. do some weird mixture. Like I remember he would sometimes take Gujarati words, but do it with an English grammar. So he would say something. Grammar, like, yeah. Yeah, I think he was like looking at birds outside. And I think he said something to the, it was something to the effect of, oh, look at the bird. It's udying and or uding or something because is to fly. He's like, oh, look, it's uding. And right. we're like, what? What's it doing? Look, it's uding. We're like, it's uding. What's uding? What does that mean? And he, and we're like, oh, like, and we have to think, like, oh, right. But generally yeah. speaking, you reply in English. So I'm like, oh, I think that's what must happen is that they grow up in an environment where they have a lot of that heritage language, probably more than my cousin has. He has a, some, but not a ton but they probably have a good amount yeah. but they also have a lot of english so what's happening is they're being spoken to in whatever the heritage language is and from a very young age uh they're replying maybe in the heritage language maybe in probably more in english or a mixture probably more in english though and yeah. so that habit sets in really early and then by the time they're even five or six it's you know it's set where that's yeah. how it works they hear the language english reply they hear the language and they just that just becomes normal that's my 
my current running theory. It could be wrong, but that's my current running theory. Yeah. And so to actually activate, like to switch the mode so that they could respond in the other language, what would, have you seen any successful examples of that? Well, with my cousin, for example, what I used to do, now it's hopeless. He's just, he just does, he knows way too, his level of English is so much higher than his level of Gujarati that it's, it's, this wouldn't work anymore. But what I used to do is I used to actually just, he didn't, my cousin didn't know for like three years that I spoke English when they're really little. So he would sometimes say yeah. something to me in English and I would look at him like he's speaking like some alien language. I'd be like, huh? Huh? And just like gives a blank look. And I'd reply in Gujarati like, oh, I, I didn't understand by saying Gujarati or I'd keep talking. Right. And he would then look at me and you could see his brain think and go, oh, and then he would say it in Gujarati. Oh, yeah, that guy doesn't speak. English. Right. Oh, yeah, he doesn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so he would he would. Um, that's what what happened. Right. Or sometimes he got a little bit older and his English was a little bit higher than his Gujarati. And sometimes I knew he didn't have the level to say what he was saying. Well, what happened is, is yeah. he would reply in English. I would still act a little confused, but then I would say things like, I'd be like, oh, and then I would rephrase it a little bit in Gujarati and then I would kind of coach him and to saying it. And then I would kind of look at him like, is that what you meant? And then he would say it back like, oh yeah, yeah. Right. And then he would say that. And then that's how it would work. Now it's not possible anymore because he just speaks English perfectly fluently and his Gujarati is gone, essentially, essentially gone. Yeah. 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 In Korean, I'm really comfortable responding in English. <laughs> like I have, I have a couple of friends where we would, we would have conversations and it was just like hanging out with a friend. Like they could, right. they could just speak in Korean and I would speak in English because their English comprehension was, right, was right. perfect. Yeah. And so they, they didn't have to struggle with, with listening to me in English. So it was like, there was nothing forcing me there was absolutely nothing that was going to force me to to switch to Korean because they were I like that I can't trick myself. I know they understand English. Hmm. I know for Portuguese, so I can speak Portuguese poorly, but um, I can't just speak it. Like if we just talking Portuguese now, I couldn't do it. But I understand it. Brazilian Portuguese, I understand uh, reasonably well because I spent time in Brazil when I was quite when I was younger and. I made this friend that didn't speak any, didn't speak much English and I didn't speak any Portuguese. And somehow we just decided, we just decided that we're going to teach each other. And we we're like both 14 or something. Yeah. And over lunch, That's I was awesome. there for soccer, soccer training. And at lunchtime he would show, I don't know who this kid was, but he'd show up to the soccer training camp. He'd sit down in front of me. I'd have my lunch. He'd have his little notebook. And like, we would try to teach each other. So with that, and then I used to watch MTV videos, and I was doing some self-teaching basically for for Portuguese. That was a long time yeah. ago, but now because of that, uh, and my Spanish background, it's I understand it reasonably well. And but when I have to speak it, it's it's a nightmare. But the few times where it has, um, where I have been able to speak Portuguese, is when I had someone in front of me who was patient, and I was like, "Hey, look, I want to talk to you in Portuguese." I'm, it might take me like two minutes to say one sentence. So I need to like sit here and like think and try and think back to how I've heard people say that and see if I can put it together. And then I might ask you for feedback of if that was right or if there's something I should have tweaked because I'll borrow from Spanish if I don't know how to say it. And then right. it's, they understand, yeah. but it wasn't right, you know? And so what yeah. I was doing that, we had a nice 45, 30, 45 minute conversation entirely, well, 
maybe 90% Portuguese, 5% me boring from Spanish, 5% me asking questions like, how do I say this? But mostly in Portuguese, mm. we spoke for like 30, 45 minutes. That's nice. So, yeah, so it does seem like it's mediated somewhat by need, unless you're the type of person who is perfectly comfortable just throwing yourself into it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Need is, I don't know what you think about this. I, uh, in my perspective, need can go one of two ways. Need can either mean people figure it out or need means people hide and they don't figure it out and they just block oh. themselves off in the situation. I've seen that. I've seen that with some people where they just quite literally don't leave their room, quite not even exaggerating. They just don't leave their wow. bedroom and they just sit in their bedroom. I've done that myself, yeah. actually. I've done it myself. Yeah. I'm too scared. With to language specific situations, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you think? Yeah. I don't leave my bedroom. Yeah. I like I'll be in a country yeah. and instead of like going out, I'll like sit in my room and like watch YouTube or whatever. Like I'll have to convince myself just to open my door to leave because it's yeah. like so intimidating. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I I mean I I have to convince myself to leave my room, not necessarily just for language um, <laughs> things though <laughs> like sometimes it's just like any any sort of unfamiliar situation takes sure. quite a lot of activation energy yeah huh. yeah you said something interesting though earlier you said um you said something like you said you never learned a language or rather korean was the first language you learned on purpose yeah because so so norwegian you learned because you grew up speaking it or rather you're born there and yeah then i heard it, it later. i and heard it as a kid and when we moved back my norwegian wasn't very good but they just plopped me in school right. and i was yeah, kind of I fine after a couple of years and then yeah. when did you start learning when did you when did you go to france when i was 19 so just after i graduated from high school and i i went there i didn't know any french ahead of time and i wasn't really planning on learning french i applied to a theater school like a physical theater school. So they, I didn't need to speak because it was all physical theater. It was ballet, modern dance, acrobatics, fencing, various types of theater, like physical expression. And so all the classes were group classes. The instruction was in French, but I could look at what my peers were doing to figure out what was going on. And then outside of class time, I just hung out with you know, the other students at school and I just didn't say anything. I just listened until eventually I was speaking. And I can't remember. I have no idea like what the process was like because I just took the path of least resistance. At some point, I ended up speaking. Like after two years, I know that I was speaking comfortably. I could do anything I needed to in my life in French. But I have no recollection of like what it was like. At what point did I actually start speaking? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't try to read. I also didn't try to read at first, unless it was like a bulletin board, like the messages at school, I would read mm -hmm. them or, or like, you know, posters or whatever. But I didn't pick up a novel until I, <clears throat> I was comfortable understanding spoken French. And then at one point, like, probably about two years in a friend of mine said, Oh, I just read this, this novel. I think you might like it. And so I borrowed it and read it in French. And it never even occurred to me that that should have been hard. It was just fine. Mm -hmm. right so you almost just you almost um you just went to france you engage in an activity that you enjoyed 
that happened to be yeah. in French and you didn't necessarily, yeah. you didn't exactly need the French to do the activity per se, because you can look and see yeah. what others are doing and copy them. And by being in that kind of environment, you just absorbed it. Yeah, it just kind of worked. I think that would work. I think that would work for, so it would work for people that can get over, that don't feel anxious about the fact that they don't understand what's happening around them. Yeah, uh, I'm. that's one of my strengths, I think. I'm totally chill with not knowing what's going on around me. Or I, I, I just, I guess a lot. And I'm comfortable assuming that my guess is right until proven wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just go running with it. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, yep. I think that would work very, very well in that case. Um, I know when I was in Brazil, for example, uh, we were doing, we were there for some soccer training and our trainers are all Brazilian. We even had some Brazilian kids that trained with us too, that didn't speak any English. And so our trainers would, would, they would talk to us in English if it was like individual, like if they're telling, if he was telling me something, but if he's talking right. to the group, it would, it might be in English and it might be in Portuguese. It would just depend. And all the yeah. warm-ups, everything was led in Portuguese. It was just led in it. We just had to follow along. And I remember when I came back from the trip, I I must have been older than 14, actually, because I, I must have been 15. I must have been 16, actually, now that I'm thinking of it. I must have been 16 because I was taking a Spanish class. Yeah, I was probably 16, actually. And I was taking a Spanish class at the time. I remember going to my Spanish class in high school. And all my Spanish was gone. Like, the little right. Spanish I had, which was not very much, was all gone and replaced by Portuguese. I couldn't count in Spanish anymore. I'd count in Portuguese. Um, yeah. I just, it was so odd. It was really weird over like three weeks or two, two or three weeks, yeah. just gone. Yeah. And again, no, there was no explicit instruction. All there was is being in that immersive environment. There were some Brazilian people that trained with us. We would hang out with these Brazilian kids from time to time and they didn't speak English. We don't speak Portuguese. And yeah. I told you that, that one guy I had lunch with that would he would kind of teach me, but it wasn't like we taught. It was more like we just tried to talk and figure out how to communicate without having languages in common. And I'd like yeah. point stuff like water, water. Oh, yum. And he'd be like, oh, and then he would tell me water in Portuguese. And then he would show me his book and point at stuff and ask me in Portuguese what stuff meant. And I'd be like, oh, that must mean, what does this mean or whatever? Like, and we would just right. sort of do it like that. But here's yeah. what's funny. Like, um, like I ordered a, I ordered us a pizza. That was the, that and that was the um the epitome the what's the word epitome epiphany the what's that word like the highest epitome epitome right yeah that was the I was like it's not epiphany the epitome of my Portuguese ability was me calling a pizza place and ordering pizza for a soccer for my soccer team and getting roughly speaking what I thought I was ordering like what the See, that's the pretty pizza good that showed up was. They looked at it and there's like one with olives. And I think we definitely not ordered an olive pizza, but we generally got what I thought we ordered. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that was like the highest achievement that I had while I was there. But what's interesting is despite all of our team having roughly the same environment, no one else learned. The only thing, I think the only word others learned was, I think was meninas means girls. Right. They, there's like a stupid joke <laughs> among all these because a bunch of guys, right? Like, oh, it's the girls and the stupid joke that we had. Right. And um, but no one else acquired, no one else picked up the language. I was the only one who did. So I was the group in Wow. Wow. So okay, so everyone was in the same environment and only that's 
That's wild. Yeah, all of us, exactly the same environment, same training sessions, same teammates, same trainers. The only difference might have been that I was interested in learning some. Yeah. They didn't, they maybe didn't care, which is a big <clears> difference. Yeah. Uh, although maybe not, because you weren't particularly interested in learning French per se either, right? Um, I wasn't disinterested either. Like mm. I like languages and I, I liked languages even, even as a 19 year old, but I wasn't, I wasn't making explicit effort to remember what things are called or like look things up. I, I had a pocket dictionary. I opened it once and then I tried to use it. Like I needed to buy a stamp and I tried to, I looked up what stamp was in my dictionary and then went to the Taba and tried to buy one. And they had no clue what I was saying, of course, because I was reading it the way I would read it in Norwegian and not in French. And so mm -hmm. that was a like colossal failure. And I decided that my dictionary was useless and I was not going to try that again. So I, I think it wasn't that I wasn't interested. It was just that I wasn't making an explicit effort to memorize or learn or study. Right. That's probably where we're different too. Cause I was there. I wasn't exactly studying per se, but like I had a pocket dictionary as well. Cause I was pre smartphone and all that. So I had a pocket dictionary as well. Or maybe it was a phrase book. I can't remember if it was a dictionary or a phrase book or something like that. It's not important. Um, and, but I would actually like think about, I would like an active thought throughout the entire, most of the day would be things like, I wonder if that word that the instructor just said means this. Oh, I heard that earlier. I'm going to go home and look at my dictionary, see if I can figure out how to spell it and find that word. Then I'd like flip through mm. and like, I wonder if it's that word. No, it can't be that. I wonder if it's that one. Oh, it must be that word. Oh, so that means that letter makes this sound. I wonder if that letter makes this sound. Okay, I'm going to listen to people talk, nice. figure out if that letter makes that sound. Oh, that's a word I know. I think it has that letter. Go to my book. Look. Oh, it does. So that means that the letter R, when it's at the beginning of a word, it must make an H sound. Oh, I see. Oh, double R's aren't rolled. And, and like, I would, I still remember, it still haunts me to this day, me walking into a fast food place, ordering a Coca-Cola with no ice. And I don't know what I said, but whatever I said was so funny. She had to call all her, the worker, the cashier, had to call all her friends over and make me say it over and over just to laugh at me. And I got Coke with ice. So whatever I was saying, they knew I wanted Coca-Cola. They knew I wanted without something. But they they wanted me to say the word ice. And whatever word I picked picked up in the streets for ice was not the word for ice. And to this <laughs> day, I'm like, I wish I remember what word I was saying. Yeah. And I wish I remember... Yeah, I, I don't know, but I remember like saying it over and over and they're laughing at me. He's like, okay, this is clearly the wrong word. <laughs> but communication success, you actually got your Coke, so. Yeah, but you can't drink the tap water, right? In Brazil. So I oh. couldn't drink it. That's why, because the ice, I wasn't oh, no. sure what they used for the ice. Oh, yeah. So I just threw it out. I didn't, didn't drink it. Oh, shame. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I do recognize that the the process of like wondering oh, I think maybe this means this. I do that all the time, like a hundred percent of the time. Oh, oh, I think that means this. And then I'll, I'll be aware or, or I'll, oh, I've heard that before. And now it's the same context. It could, it could, maybe my hypothesis is right. Ooh, my hypothesis is definitely wrong. It can't mean that because <laughs> I just heard it in a context where that wouldn't make sense at all. So I do that a lot. Ah, that's very interesting. You know, I had a conversation with, uh, oh, this is this, you've just helped you. I need to thank you. You've helped something clunk nicely into place in my brain. So I did a podcast with someone just yesterday, actually. Uh, she teaches uh, Russian, Spanish and English at my business. 
And we were just comparing and contrasting our default ways of teaching and learning and such. And she said, she was talking about how she's someone that when she learns a language, maybe the polar opposite of you, maybe, maybe this is the polar opposite. She really needs to understand the system and exactly how it works and where everything comes from. What's the etymology? What's the grammar rule? What are the, like, she really highly analytical approach. In fact, my Latin and biblical Hebrew instructor speaks like six or seven languages herself. She's also that way too. And she speaks all of her languages at a very high level. So it's not like this is her approach and it's not effective. No, no, no. She's done it many times. Yeah, totally works. Yeah. For her, it totally works, right? And then yesterday, you know, I was talking to Catherine and she's like, and I was telling her, I was trying to explain something to her. And basically what I was trying to explain is what you just said now. It's that wonder factor. Like when I, even when I teach, I want to structure the class in a way where the student bumps into something and goes like, whoa, hang on a second. Wait, I, I thought that word meant this. Wait, is that? Huh. And then they, yeah. they wonder and they wonder like, yeah, that did I have it wrong? Is that is that right? Like that wonder factor. Yeah. That's what I try to I, I really like to use that as a teaching strategy. And I yeah. think it's I also use it a lot as a learning strategy. I like that. I wonder if this is how that works. Oh, I wonder if this, oh, I wonder if if uh blah 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 blah, right? Whatever it is you're wondering. Yeah. And you're learning, you're letting like the wonder lead your studies. Yeah. That's a really big thing that leads my studies. Like I know how to say stupid things in Japanese because of that wonder factor. Like I know how to say, oh, look, yeah. it's a chicken. Um, only because <laughs> yeah. I can say, oh, look, it's a chicken. Or I can say, oh, no, the crystal broke. Or I can say like all sorts yeah. of stupid things. The, the, my crocodile ate a snake. I could say all these yeah. really stupid things. But it, they were partially led from, actually entirely led by wonder. Like I wonder how I would say I think I know to say a fishing man, a fisherman caught a, I used to know to say something about a fisherman catching a fish with a net. They say something like that, right. but anyway, but yeah, that's all really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's my primary learning strategy is wonder, but I don't wonder about grammar. That That's neither, actually, what I noticed. Yeah. Oh, you don't. Okay. Cause I don't wonder about the system cause I don't really care about grammar if if it i want what i really want is for it to sound right or sound wrong and mm -hmm. so i want i'm listening for things to hear how how it sounds when when people say it and it's that's what's going to sound right mm -hmm. and then and then i want i want to have <clears throat> heard enough so that when when i say things it's going to sound wrong to me if i say it wrong mm -hmm. yeah yeah where I think we're pretty similar there. Um, I also, I don't, the only time I wonder, let me, do I wonder about grammar? Um, I'm going to think about that afterwards. I'm not sure, but I think it's sometimes I, I, I can remember a couple of times in particular, where I've wondered about grammar, although it's not so much wondering, it's more, I get frustrated mm. because I start to notice a pattern, like in Gujarati, for example, like I grew up with language, the heritage language, but I was studying, I was in India doing, I was in India for two months trying to learn Gujarati properly. And I remember I, there's a point where I realized that there were multiple, <clears throat> there were multiple words for each pronoun. There's more than one. Yeah. In particular, I was, I was struggling with like the one in particular I was struggling with is the word for I. And I remember rethinking like, wait a second, there's something weird happening here. When I say I want whatever, like I'm drinking tea versus yesterday I drank tea, versus yesterday I met my friend, not only is the word for I changing, but 
everything else in the sentence does not match what I think it should be. Like I keep saying these I, I keep saying these I sentences yeah. completely wrong and I can't, my brain wasn't figuring out what to do about it. And I was getting very yeah. frustrated. So I, I, I go to say, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. And I kept getting it mixed up. I try and remember like, okay, okay. When I want to drink tea, I'm just going to say that. I was trying to remember like individual, individual sentences and yet I couldn't do it. So that was one yeah. time in recent, relatively recent history that I was frustrated. I'm, I'm not sure if it's wondering. It's more than wonder at that point. Because wonder yeah. is like, I wonder. And it's almost positive. This was like, yeah. hey, wait, something's going on here. And this is really frustrating. And I can't figure yeah. this out. Like there's something wrong and I don't know how to fix it. And so that was something where I had to sit down. And basically what I did was I wrote down like a whole, I didn't have a teacher that understood grammar, really how to teach, to be honest. It was not mm -hmm. the strongest teacher, at least how she taught me was not how I like to learn. At least let's just say that minimally. And yet right. we had six hours. That, I was with her six hours a day, six days a week for two months, which is a lot. Yeah. So what I did that was I wrote lot. down like a whole bunch of sentences and I just, I, I, I showed them to her. I was like, hey, can you just tell me which ones are sound right? Which ones are wrong? And she'd be like, right, 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 wrong, wrong. She would just go through them. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd be like, okay, so, and then I'd after, and I'd be like, okay, what would be the right version? Would it be this? And she'd say, yeah, 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 we get that already. Then I'd go home and be like, okay, there must be a pattern here. There must be something I'm not right. seeing. Yeah. Right. So that's one of the few, but no, generally speaking, I don't, I find myself wondering, I'm thinking out loud now, I, I think I find myself wondering um, how to say something and not, I wonder what the grammar rule is. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Like, how would I say that? And then I, that might lead me to a little bit of grammar, maybe. Right? right? Like, yeah. Oh, that sounds like that word. Oh, I wonder if there's a pattern there. Oh, I wonder. There must be some pattern there. Oh, there must be something with A at the end of words in French, for example. Oh, there must, that must right. be something in the past. Oh, A is kind of past. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's probably something there. Okay, and move on. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I remember wondering about a thing that is, I guess, technically grammar, like in Thai, there was a word that I kept hearing, where I, I, I was wondering a lot about like, how it fit in. Mm -hmm. And then one day I realized, oh, I wonder if it's reciprocal. It means that the thing that is going on is, <laughs> is reciprocal and like mind blown, it totally worked. Like, I was hearing it over and over again. And for the next few months, I kept like, every time I heard it, it was like, holy smokes, this actually might work. It might actually mean that it's reciprocal. Um, and and like now, I guess a year later, it I haven't found a counter example, but I haven't asked anyone. I haven't looked it up. I'm just um, like, it makes sense that it's reciprocal. There, every, every example of it that I've heard, and I guess it's grammar, but I mm. don't necessarily, I don't worry what the system is. I just yeah. want to know what it means i guess mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i wonder i'd be very curious um if when you speak for example maybe french is, a, is the best example maybe norwegian but probably french is better i wonder when you speak in french like if you were to go take an exam where you are graded on not just your ability to communicate but also the grammar i wonder to what extent your brain has actually slotted the grammar incorrectly into your mind um, yeah, I want to almost like write down everything you said, and be like, oh, that's actually wrong. That's actually, but they understand, mm. of course. I wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would be curious to know. I think I mean I can't I can't write at all in mm. French because I write the way I li listen, right. which is like just not a good strategy in French. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, it, I 
I just lost my ear, ear thingy. Um, there are actually two ways in which I can't write in French. Like the first is just spelling. I spell phonetically. Like, right. I mean, if I, if it's a word I've seen a lot, I'll know how it's spelled, but mostly it's not. Like I mm -hmm. haven't read a lot in French. But the other thing is that you don't write French, like the register is completely different in French. And, and so writing in French, like if you write any sort of formal letter, like mm -hmm. any sort of letter, anything, even, even not very formal, the register is completely different. And right. I don't know the register. It's just right. not familiar to me. There are so many like forms that you have to know ways of saying things that are the correct way of saying it or like writing it. Um, mm -hmm. And I just don't know those. Yeah, I remember there was a guy that I met once. <clears throat> he was taking, he took Spanish lessons for maybe, uh, I don't know, like a few months or something. Um, and he learns languages in a similar fashion as you. Like he speaks Russian. He's learned Russian. Uh, he speaks Spanish very, very well. He speaks English, obviously. Um, and he learned Spanish in a very similar way that you learned French, kind of through this immersive um, process and he'd wonder a lot same kind of thing like he'd want like how do I say this he'd want to like talk to people he was very extroverted he loves to talk to people oh yeah and um when he spoke in Spanish he had this like near perfect pronunciation he understood anything almost everything you tell him he could say almost anything he would want to say almost anything right so very very high level um but he had he had small mistakes in almost everything he said Almost everything mm. he said had small errors, but they were never big enough to yeah. to limit comprehension, which, to be honest with you, for, like, most language learners, who cares? It doesn't actually matter, yeah. right? For most people, yeah. it was, like, small, not even major errors, like, little errors, but everything he said had little errors. Everything he said had small yeah. errors, almost everything, little errors. But you can communicate with him, no problem. He can say anything you want to say. He understands almost everything you say to him. Like, it was... The reason he's taking lessons is because he's like, I think I make a lot of mistakes was basically what you're saying. He's like, yeah. I think I mess yeah. up a lot. And I'm listening. I was yeah. like, you do, but it's never major, but you do. And so he wanted to like clean up his language in a yeah. sense, right? Because he, yeah. again, he, because of how he learned something very similar to you, like no one's ever enough. French is a little different. They, they can get, they love to debate over their grammar and stuff, but, but still, yeah, like, they do. they're not generally people are not to be like oh you you said you pronounced that like this or but that makes it sound mm. like this tense where that might lead to no they're just gonna be like i know what you mean and just off we go yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah i never i never had people being like pissy with me about mm -hmm. how i was speaking french they were always super generous and and like welcoming i i when i was living there now i haven't spoken french in like 20 years so wow. my french I, I don't even know if i could speak it still i can understand it because i see the occasional movie and it's fine like I, I still understand it just fine but i was mistaken for a native speaker on on a fairly regular basis mm -hmm. for a while like cool. there was always some some they, they would always say but i can't quite figure like where in france are you from mm. and then after a while we'd end up on a topic where there was vocabulary that i didn't know or um, idioms that I was unfamiliar with, or just like mm, cultural knowledge that I didn't have. Right. And so it would always be obvious. And I, I mean, I, I never tried lying and telling them that I was French because it was, there was no point. Like, um, 
Yeah, it's crazy how I was the Holocaust told happened, right? It's really interesting because yeah. like I had that because I've spoken French for 25 years. <clears throat> I did yeah. all my schooling in French. I did a French and Spanish major in university. Um, I studied in France twice. Um, I teach French. I revisit France regularly. Like it's a language that's a, you know, it's been a part of my life, my whole life. And uh, uh, the most recent time when I was in France would have been 2019, I think, if I remember correctly. I was visiting a friend that I've known for 15 years and we're at his parents' house. That's where I, when I first went on my French exchange trip, I lived in that house in the tiny, tiny, tiny village in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. And we're sitting there watching TV. And uh, he puts, he's like, oh, Hazard, you have to watch this show. I said, oh, yeah, what is it? He's like, yeah, I'll show you. Puts it on the TV. And we start watching it. And we're watching. And I was like, dude, I understand like half of what they're saying. Oh, no. Half, maybe. He's like, what? I was like, I don't understand them. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, what? Uh, so it's like a sketch comedy show. And there's like different sketches. Yeah. And I was like, what was that word? What What did he say? He's like, and what turned out was that it was uh, they're, they're, they're basically parodying, I guess, um, a lot of medieval French. Oh, using, yeah. What they're doing is they're using a modern French, but they're they're making fun of. I actually don't even really know what the show's about, actually. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it was something like parodies of medieval French because all he'd explain what they're saying is like, oh, that word is a really old word for this word. I was like, oh, OK. Was oh, like, so because yeah. he said that word like this, it's funny for this reason. I was like, oh, I see. Ha, ha, ha. And then I'd laugh like right. too late. <laughs> <laughs> and but it's so funny that, yeah, mm. there's always so native speakers have will always have this passive knowledge that's yeah. way higher Enormous. than a from almost any learner, unless they like live there, breathe the language, they work in the yeah. language, they're friends, they're re like, it's truly their life that yeah. then maybe not. But if someone like me who lives in Canada, English part of Canada, like they're, mm. even though I've had 25 years of French, their passive knowledge is just more than mine. So when they watch a show like that, even though they never use the words they're using, perhaps, right? They all know mm -hmm. what they mean. They all understand the references. They all know the jokes. They all know. But... Yeah. When we watched a play by, we watched this classic Moliere play. Yeah. That I understood like a good 75 or 80% of, 70, 75. Yeah. Um, because I'd, I'd done a French education. So a lot of what we learned is very literary and such. So we'd read and heard that type of language. Yeah. But after the friends, like you probably understood nothing. And I was like, actually, I probably understood like 70, 75%. He's like, he's like, really? Because I probably only understood like 90 He's like, the stuff we said, I was like, because it's like a Shakespearean sort of thing. Yeah. Right? He's like, yeah. I probably just said 90, but there's some things I was like, huh? And I was like, yeah, this is a few things. I kind of wrote them down. And then I kind of asked him, but he's like, wow, yeah. it's funny, right? Like your experiences will shape what you can understand. And then they always have, um, a native speaker will always have more passive knowledge yeah. than someone like we would. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, um, pronunciation you said that you're obsessed with getting mm. or like you're it's very important to you to yeah. sound near native or mm -hmm. native like mm -hmm. how do you approach it so um <clears throat> first of all i've studied phonetics which really helps i've done a lot of phonetic study a formal phonetic mm -hmm. study so through, through university setting and also, Does that mean that you study like the where things are articulated, how the yeah. mouth is shaped, that sort of how thing? The, how the mouth works, what are the types of sounds, where the where can the tongue go? We used to in my phonetics classes, we would 
practice sounds that exist in other languages. We would actually practice what is the theory of, and our, our professor could do it. He could be like, well, look, in African languages, they have sounds like this. These are called this. So here's the mechanic. Step one, okay, hold your breath. Step two, say a T sound, but keep the air blocked off. You're like, okay. And you're like, oh, wow, that's a cool sound. What the heck yeah. is that? Like, well, that's this letter. And then they write in the International Phonetic Alphabet, right? right. And they would teach us stuff. So that was one. Um, also, just understanding the mechanics. Some, I would call it uh, speech language. Uh, what's that word? Speech language. What's the P stand for in SLP? Uh, speech language patho pathology? Pathologist? The people that help kids that can't pronounce things, they help them learn to pronounce things. Oh, yeah, I think they are like, speech pathologists. Yes, yeah, speech, speech language, language yeah. pathologists. Yeah, so then yeah. learning a little bit, some concepts that they use when they're teaching. So, for example, understanding that if you can't pronounce a letter, uh, it, it doesn't mean you can't pronounce that letter. What it means is you might be able to pronounce that letter if you change where the letter is in a word or you change what letter precedes or comes after. And you can probably diagnose a problem more. Right. That's something I lucked into learning, actually. Um, I just lucked into the fact that when I was in high school, the family I was living with, my exchange student, he could have probably been a speech language pathologist if he hadn't gone the career he went into. He figured out how to teach me R's in French. So I couldn't pronounce them. He figured out, okay, you probably should say je crois first because CRs are going to be easier than other letters because a C is in the back of your mouth. Oh. R is in the back. That's going to be easier. Puts your tongue in the right place. Yeah. And he's like, but then, then he made me say théâtre. He was in theater. He was in a theater group. And théâtre yeah. is harder. Two syllables. And then T-R is just, you're moving from the tip of your tongue to the back of your throat. It's harder. Right? So understanding certain rules yeah. like that, which I I, I was lucky to learn at a very young age, that concept of, oh, right. Sometimes you can actually get your mouth to say things because it sets your mouth up in the right position. Right? Um, yeah. lots of practice like obsessing like I couldn't roll my R's in Spanish like that took me like three years to learn at least maybe four like actual yeah. three or four years of yeah. trying to learn to roll my R's um, that's that's something like actual I practice I used to practice in the shower then like daily in the shower like French yeah. R's like je quoi je I would like literally do that in the shower while I was showering, like shampooing my hair. <laughs> right. Um, nice. So lots of practice in the shower. Uh, even a basic phonetic understanding goes a long way. I would only, sometimes I only learn, I only learn one word at a time. Um, active listening yeah. very intently when people are speaking to how they pronounce a sound, trying to copy them. Um, just an obsessive amount of attention on pronunciation for years. That's all I do. Because as I get better and more advanced, so, in the language, my pronunciation also improves. So what do you, what do you think happened with Korean? Like, why did you find, why did you decide to put it away for a bit? I think it might have been the so it was very frustrating. Um, it was very frustrating they couldn't figure it out, which does happen. I do get frustrated when I can't figure sounds yeah. out. I know that, but I think I was also frustrated because my my teacher and I had an internet leg. And so I oh. would say something and then like there's, it was a slight lag on everything. I think that was, that was yeah. probably looking back. I think that was a piece of it that I couldn't, she would say a sound. I would try and copy it. 
but yeah. when I copied it, she might have said it a second time, but because of the delay, we said our sounds at the same time. So then I would say the sound again. Yeah. While I said it, she would say, oh, yeah, that was good. And then she might hear the second time and go, oh, that time, not as much. And I was like, wait, which wait, which one was? So I think which we had one a was... delay, which was yeah. annoying. Um, yeah. Yeah, was, that was slightly annoying. I was also testing. I was testing a way to learn a language that I'd never done. I was testing a few things. So I think that was new for me as it was. So that was also kind of new. And I was realizing kinks and mistakes. And so I think the whole experience was just. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just yeah. wasn't conducive to. Yeah, but anyway. <clears throat> Did, so did you ever do you ever do the thing where you record yourself and listen someone told me that they do that I they record have, themselves but I don't do it a ton I've done it but I don't I don't yeah. do it a ton usually usually what ends up happening there's a point where I think that I'm speaking really well I'm like I think I've got this and then I start to ask native yeah. speakers like hey what do you think of my accent like what do you think of how I speak and I'll start to ask and they can't diagnose yeah. like a phonetician would but they can right. say things like, you know, they like you'll get something out of them. You'll always get some insight. They'll be like, oh, you're really good, but we know you're not from here. Like, okay, there's, there's still something wrong. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. You, you say some of your words kind of funny. Like, oh, like what words? Oh, you say like, I don't know. Right. And then you, or, or like, hey, it's really good. Like, yeah, but do I sound like you? And they'll be like, well, hmm. and then you kind of see like, okay, no, there's something off or, right. Yeah. And so can you get them to specify which words so you then can take those words back person. to a teacher? On the to work with? Some people yeah. are really good uh, at that and some people are stinking. Yeah. Depends on the person. Yeah. Um, like in Gujarati, I noticed when I was in Gujarat, they all said the same thing, which is really weird. They all said, your pronunciation is perfect, but we know you're not yeah. from here. And I was like, how the hell could you know? I was like, grammar mistakes? Yeah. And they'd be like, no, 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 not grammar. It's like, do I say like, things that are kind of funny sounding? No. So, so how do you know i was so shocked i was like that's new for me how can you have perfect pronunciation yeah. not really making like mistakes in how you speak or fumbling on words like and yet they know it. like how could that be isn't it just pronunciation grammar words wording like put those together that's you sound native it's like how could that be and they all said your tone's off i was like my tone is off uh, so how it's intonation as in tone yeah, I think that's what I think what it was is, you know, I was, I was talking to someone maybe a few weeks ago and I was talking about the, the art of pronunciation. So there's the science of pronunciation and there's the art of pronunciation. The art of pronunciation is something like you speak in a way where um, it's like. This is very difficult to explain, but sometimes you can I have a friend who speaks who has a Francophone father, French his whole life french school his whole life perfect pronunciation he can say everything in french perfectly and the second he opens his mouth you know he's not a native speaker even though it's all perfect and it's because mm. there's the stylist there's a style of how he's speaking that isn't right the um he used wasn't the um the french people would use the pause was a little longer than what a french people would pause like his body he said right. je he said je ne sais pas he said je ne sais pas, oh, je sais pas. pas. he yeah. said or maybe yeah. he said like I don't know like uh, there's something else he used to do he or he would never go and if for people that are watching on the podcast <laughs> right like and they don't know that as in French means I don't know like it means I don't know yeah. in France but like they wouldn't he wouldn't do that like and those are all tiny things that are like more the 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 art yeah. of pronunciation and I think I was missing like the art yeah. and maybe someone would come in and they like in the restaurant. 
like maybe I don't know, like I can't even think of any examples right now in India, but like it was the art of pronunciation that was off, right? Which yeah. is very subtle things, and mm. those things, like my brain, like I'm someone who really can break things down into minute steps for my for anyone and for myself. I can break anything down to very small steps, so I can break those little things down. I can be like, oh, I need to say, I need to. I'll think in my head, think like, oh, I need to put air in my mouth and blow it out instead of saying Josepa or Shepa. Okay. Mm. And I'll just like practice. Actually, I wouldn't practice that, but I would like on purpose do it to watch if people's reactions are weird and like, mm -hmm. you know, and that's like more the art. Yeah. So. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. And you help people with this as well? If they're interested. Yeah. Some people find it excruciatingly frustrating. Because they don't like to oh. focus on such minute things, but absolutely, yeah, for sure, I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite yeah. thing to teach. My favorite yeah. thing to teach. I love teaching. That's my favorite thing. Um, like if I were to start a separate business, I'd call it like Azrin's business to teach. Like I don't know, like learn French R's with Azrin. Like that would be my business. So I can teach anyone yeah. French R. I could teach someone a French R in five. I might. Months. I might. I might hire you for that. I, I have no idea if my French R is is good. Like I mean, I haven't used it for twenty years, but. Yeah, yeah, I would totally hire you for that. Yeah, there's like two R's. There's like two different R's in French. People don't realize. There's two R sounds. There's and and there's also another one which is like something like that. Like in like in garder, you don't say garder, you don't say garder, you say garder, gar. The sound is right. That's the sound. It's not or, but in it's definitely in like it's definitely but it's not yeah. it's not that's weird that's that's not the word yeah it's right with a nice rumble so yeah yeah cool well, i have a i need to probably uh i'm gonna stop this recording here so guys thanks for listening hope you guys enjoyed that um i have something else that starts well i have to get ready for jujitsu of jujitsu class later today so <laughs> Nice. Um, well, thanks for being here, Katrina. Thanks so much any, for any having this chat. It was super yeah, any fun. parting thoughts? Oh, I just, I want to be better at pronunciation and all of that nerdy, mm. nerdery. Okay, yeah. well, hang out for, like, I'll stop the recording, but hang out, don't leave the Zoom, and then I'll, we can pretty okay. So, all right, everyone, thanks cool. for listening. Au revoir. Bye-bye. <laughs>